Raising the Bets is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to Raising the Bets. We're a Catholic couple raising five kids outside of Boston. Join us as we share the joys and challenges of marriage, homeschool, and our adventures near and far as we make sense of the world and experience the best parts of our culture. I'm Dom Bettinelli. And I'm Melanie Bettinelli. So uh, it's been another week with us, and uh, it's been a week full of things. (laughs) Uh, Last week we talked about our air conditioner being broken. It's still broken. Still broken. Still broken. So if you, it's broken in such a way as that we can kind of, kind of use it if we manage it very carefully. So if like we've been, what we, what we've done is we'll run it for an hour, turn it off for an hour, run it for an hour, turn it off for an hour, hoping it doesn't freeze up. Cause that's the the problem is if in case you don't remember, which is that um, it, if we, it's got a leak and it eventually freezes up the air handler and stops blowing air. Compressor works. Uh, and I'm in the midst of getting quotes on a replacement. And wow, we've been shocked at the pricing. Yeah, very shocking. Yeah. So the the thing to do now is to get a heat pump, right? Because the, the state subsidizes the that, you know, you get a. You can get up to ten thousand dollars back from the state if you get a heat pump. So, how do you, what do you think all of the HVAC guys have done with the cost of installing uh, their their heat pumps? They've gone up by ten thousand dollars. Imagine that. So, who do these rebates really benefit? They're not benefiting the consumer. They're benefiting the special interest group. So, this this is something we've learned, and we've had some sticker shock this week. Um, just, just, I just want to say the one thing, and then we can move on okay. from the commissioner, which is um, the I've been doing research. The na- the average install price for a heat pump for the si- our size house should be around four to six thousand, maybe ten thousand as an outlier. This is the national average. Yeah, well, you, actually, but if I put in like it asks where you're at, and it says, "Oh, you're in the northeast," so this is what it should be, right? Okay. So. It should it should be in that range, up to ten. Uh, the first estimate we got was nineteen thousand dollars for our tiny house. <laughs> I it's I was flabbergasted. So we're we're continuing to look for get quotes and see where that goes. Ugh. Anyway, moving on. Um, we have to get a new washing machine. <laughs> in fact, we've already bought it. Our washing machine. It was making weird noises, which it's it. We we figured out it's like eight or nine years old. Which these days, if you can get a major appliance last for a decade, that's good, right? Um, especially as much as we use it, seven people. I mean, let's be honest, that's probably more than uh, a lot of people. But um, it started leaking water. Um, it's got this wet spot on the on the carpet. Right, it's the, our laundry room is carpet. Great idea, whoever did yeah, brilliant. Whoever set up the house. Uh, so there's been this wet spot there. So it was time. We we could in, have repair guys out and look at it and pay lots of money for them to tell us oh. that we need to get a new one. But Well, no, when we had the guy come fix the dishwasher months ago, like last fall, I think it was, I had him look at the 
the washer and he basically said yeah you can't fix it like like the, the they don't have parts for these anymore so you'd have to buy a new one when it goes so we've been basically waiting i just love plant obsolescence of of appliances, appliances. they used they you know everyone knows they used to last a lot longer and now they don't so in the midst of uh all of the like shopping for a new washer we ended up getting a membership at costco like we've been talking about we hadn't we didn't go to costco i did it online just to see what their prices were like for which it actually wasn't better than getting it from lowe's or home depot but um the but we had we knew we wanted a membership so we got it so now we have to go to costco right that's and actually it's pretty good because now that means we have to go do it so so for fun things on, uh, did we have fun i had fun with the kids on friday oh, night that's right you had fun i had fun i took the kids to the brockton rocks the our local minor 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 league team the collegiate futures league is called they're all college ball players um who spend their summer playing in a you know a professional league and these kids will are all potential professional you know, major, major league ball players at some point. Um, so it was, we did this last year. We had a blast. It's 20 minutes door to door from our house to the, to the stadium. Um, and it is uh, not crowded at all. It was $7 a ticket. Oh, it's so awesome. And it's a nice park. It's really nice. They have a brand new scoreboard and everything. The, the intent was originally they were going to do, um, it was a scout night and they were going to have, the scouts go to the game and then camp in the outfield overnight. Uh, but then something happened where um, they wanted to show them a movie on the big scoreboard, the new scoreboard, but the new sound system wasn't ready or something. So they postponed it, but they get, still gave us a uh, group tickets for this game that we'd already been planning to go to. So unfortunately the makeup game will be during our family vacation so we won't be able to go to the to the overnight thing which i don't think our kids wanted to overnight there anyway. they didn't really they weren't very excited about the idea of spending the night in the ballpark yeah we had a blast i mean the they enjoyed it uh it's fun watching them our team won 19 to 1 which is always good when your team blows up the other team we did stay for the whole game because they had fireworks at the end and our kids had never seen real fireworks is that I think maybe maybe Bella when she was a baby. Right. The Salem fireworks, which right. are awesome, by the way. Salem, Massachusetts has the best, uh, at least when we lived there, they had amazing fireworks. They were really good. They were uh, over the harbor. They had a concert with an orchestra. It was fantastic. I loved that. Um, but they had, I mean, these were small fireworks. But for our kids, they were big fireworks. These were it was all exciting and everything. It was just great watching them enjoy how much they loved it. It was really fantastic. Um, and they were dancing in the in the aisle to the music being played over the sound system. And it's funny because at least one child said, oh, "You know, I'm, I'm so something about regretting not having been able to see them when they were younger." And I was like. You were horrible with loud noises. The reason you're the reason why we've never gone to fireworks because as a child you could not handle loud noises. Right, exactly. So so that was that was funny. But it would be nice to take him to some big professional fireworks now. Like, gosh, the Boston ones on Fourth of July. You can do that. I have no desire to be in Boston uh, well, on Fourth of July. I've only ever done that once, and that was because I was on my sister's boat in the Charles River underneath them. Right. 
uh, I would never go do the Esplanade because <laughs> there's like 400,000 people elbow to elbow sitting in this confined space all day in the sun until the concert starts. And yeah, but it would be nice to see like the big real fireworks with them because big, big fireworks with the big ones and the, the yeah, I did the finale and oh, that's just awesome. I've, I've done the, the equivalent of the Esplanade in Austin at Town Lake and that was really fun. Mm. But much smaller crowds. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Especially back when I was in high school. <laughs> so the I, I, I said it last year and I'll say it again. I, I would love to to go back to the Rocks game. I just I, it was such a fun thing. The The only downside is like the tickets were cheap. The food is way expensive. I mean, you should have fed them before you left. Yeah. I mean, they each had a burger or a dog. We had uh, we shared four waters between us. And then four more because <laughs> they were thirsty uh, and you can't bring in outside water or food, uh, you know, no drink food or drink from outside. And then uh, I got popcorn and pretzels. And then even then, Anthony was still like, I'm hungry because he's a 12 year old boy. And I'm like, yeah, we'll 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 be home soon enough. You can eat something when we get home because <laughs> that that was probably like. It's like 60, 70, 80 bucks just between those those there. It was it was a lot. So concessions are expensive. That's where they're making their money. Right. You know, and they weren't great. I mean, it's it's what it is. But um, yeah. next next time, feed them dinner so that they only need snacks. Yeah, we'll we'll get some, you know, popcorn and pretzels or something when we get there. Um, we'll stick Skittles in their pockets or something. <laughs> so, yeah, just that way we. But it was really nice time, folks. If you've got a small minor league ballpark near you, go check it out. It's it's America. That's that's if you want a real taste of Americana it, with all of the crazy like minor league ballpark antics too, like the in the, between the innings, you have the mascot and you have some the the owner of the team in a bizarre cowboy hat and bizarre suit jacket jumping running along the tops of the uh, dugouts throwing candy at kids and really? Oh yeah, he's just he's like crazy promoter circus guy. He's like PT Barnum in the 21st century. Wow. Yeah. That's but that's a lot of ball uh minor league places like that. They they create an atmosphere. It's fun. It's a family place. And they really they they say right up front, like we don't allow any, you know, um non family friendly activities. Like if you no swearing, no throwing things, no just we're here to have fun and enjoy ourselves. And that's and that's what it was. It was really a nice time. So yeah, I would definitely recommend recommend and it's an inexpensive night out. Apart from the food. I had a really nice time. And you had a nice time. home by myself. Yes, I figured you would. (laughs) Yeah, this time Sophie went. She didn't go last time uh, for whatever reason. Uh, But this time she went. So you had the house all to yourself. That'll be nice. That'll be nice for you on summer camp when you have the house all to yourself all week. Very nice. I will get so much cleaning done. But I might might take a day and and just relax. Do something fun. Go into Boston and relax. Oh, that sounds like fun. Maybe. So I want to mention something that because uh, we, we sometimes talk about things the kids are learning. Um, and I want to mention something we got for Anthony that uh, to, to okay. keep him because he's the summer project. The, yeah, summer project. He's always bored. And so we want to give him things to keep him unbored. So uh, I think you found this. Did you find this? Or did I, I, found f- this? I found this. OK, so it's from a company called Inventor.io. Uh, I-N-V-E-N-T-R dot I-O. I'll put the link in the show notes. It's called Adventure Kit 30 Days Lost in Space. And what it is is that 
a 30 day challenge. Like it, it comes this little package and it has hardware in it and it has a Arduino board and Arduino is a micro a programmable microcontroller uh, that is useful for many, many different kinds of projects. Um, in fact, I'm wondering if after he's done with this, he could re- repurpose it for other things. Cause um, I mean, the Arduino boards are sometimes used in like industry just to, to, to program, to run a specific piece of equipment and that sort of stuff. In any case, um, so it has all this stuff in the in it. It's got a breadboard and wires and all kinds of electronics. And it's a story that he has to follow along with where he's was on a spaceship and it crashed on this planet and he has to repair his spaceship. And he has 30 days to learn how and to make the repairs to get off the planet. And so each day there's another lesson that walks him through building things and this building a camera and building a control system and building it is really uh you know it's really kind of neat it needs to use the, the the computer so he's been using my my laptop it's pc or mac it works on both um and it was like i'm gonna say it was like 60 bucks i think and then they have a larger one for like for if you want to do another project, which is I think a hundred bucks, and that's that's larger and longer. Uh it takes you know, I think it's like ninety days or sixty days or something along those lines. Um and then they have all kinds of other kits as well that they're that they're making. It's fun. And there's lots of other things out there like this, not just from this one company, but uh other other kinds of these kit things out there. So it's kind of neat. Uh and I think he's enjoying it, although Sometimes it's hard to tell. <laughs> How was it? It was good. Yeah, tell me about it. It's all right. I just, you know, I made some. I did the thing. <laughs> He's your, not very communicative. Your enthusiasm is bowling me over. <laughs> <laughs> He's very much the teenager. It's so funny. How how sort of typical teenager he is compared to say Ben. You know, because Ben is not. Ben is effusive, so it's just fun. Yeah, personality differences. Yeah, sure. yeah. So, so that's nice. That's, that's been fun. Let's talk about food for a moment. Okay. A couple of things that, uh, I made for dinner. Yeah. You've been much more cookie than I have. Yes. Um, Lucy was actually commenting, I think at dinner tonight that, uh, I think it was Lucy that I've been doing a lot more of the cooking lately. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It it makes sense. I mean, I've been, you know, Oh, uh, trying to do the menu more. So I ended up putting things I want to cook on the menu. Right. But also the, in the summer, this was a lot more grilling. So I do, I do all of the grilling and you still are cooking stuff inside like the sides and stuff. So, right. It, we're, it's a collaborative effort. Anyway, uh, the first thing I made last night was from Cowboy Kent Rollins. I meant, I, I think I've mentioned You've him before. definitely mentioned him before. Just quick recap. He's a uh, ranch cook, you know, chuck wagon, old fashioned on a ranch in Oklahoma who got really famous after being on um, a couple of Food Network competition shows, including uh, the Bobby Flay one where he competes against Bobby Flay. He has a YouTube channel. He makes stuff all the time. He does all this cooking outdoors. Um, Anyway, one of the things he does is he remakes fast food, like uh, different fast food dishes or things and makes them better okay so this one was the taco bell mexican pizza remake 
So Taco Bell does this Mexican pizza thing where it's like tortillas, a sauce, a meat, a cheese, Beans. tomatoes on top. Hmm? Beans. Beans, right. So he remakes it and makes it better. And um, I think it came up pretty good. So what, So there's a, there's a couple elements to the, to the Taco Bell Mexican pizza. There's, there's like a cheesy beef, right? So you, you're cooking ground beef with some taco seasoning, and then you add some ch- uh, cheddar cheese to it, and that makes it sort of a cheesy, beefy. Uh, uh, I was wondering if, if Taco Bell actually has cheese in the beef or if that was one of his, like, making it better. That's a good I question. Rem- I don't remember there being cheese in the beef. But Taco Bell has the, the beef sort of has a I don't call it a gravy, but it's it's get, it's wet. Yeah, it's 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 much more. Yeah, kind of saucy than like my. So I think that's his way of approximating it um, and making it better. Um, I actually, he, he sells his own like seasonings. So he has a taco seasoning and he says, just use any taco seasoning. And I actually put just put one together that I found online. I mean, it's taco seasonings. It's cumin, chili powder, garlic, all uh, onion, uh, paprika, salt, pepper, oregano, oregano. Right, right, right. I, I did. I get the Mexican oregano in that. I'm so glad I bought a Mexican oregano because there's a difference between Mexican oregano and Italian oregano. Italian oregano will work, but Mexican oregano has that specific flavor. I've I've always just used Italian oregano in my Mexican cooking. Yeah, you should check out the Mexican oregano because it's really kind of nice. So so you make the beef. So you're making all the different pieces. And then with the, the tortillas, he... He he takes the flour tortilla, but sprinkles masa flour, the corn masa flour on it, and then fries it so that the edges are crispy, but the center is still pliable and soft. And it creates a certain kind of texture that is much, uh, very much like the Taco Bell tortillas. There's something about their, when they fry their tortillas, it's got a kind of um, crispy coating on it that, that from the flour must have been. then. Um, we make a hot sauce that's basically a can of tomato sauce, like plain tomato sauce. Like when you go look on the on the shelf at the store, it's not like spaghetti sauce. It's like called tomato sauce. And it's just basically cooked tomatoes. Um, and then uh, the Ortega dice green chilies, the little cans with the dice green, um, you know, I think I don't know if they're jalapenos or Fresnos or whatever, but they're dice green. So pep- just sort of generic chilies. Yeah. Then um, for the hot sauce, you add smoked paprika, cumin, garlic powder, onion powder. This called for red pepper flakes. I decided to put a little bit of cayenne, a pinch of cayenne in it, and white vinegar. I mean, pepper flakes and cayenne is the same pepper. It's just... Yeah, I just didn't want to have the seeds. Yeah. Big chunks or little chunks. Yeah. Or ground. Uh, And it it ends up being put in the blender anyway after you heat it up and you just kind of bring it to a simmer and then you put it in a blender. So, um, and then... For the beans, what he does is he doesn't just take, like he takes canned beans, refried beans, then puts in the, a saucepan with butter and sour cream. And it makes it smooth and more pliable, you know, like more saucy almost. More like, more like Taco Bell beans. It's very much like Taco have, Bell. Have a, a slightly runnier consistency. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I put a little too much either butter or sour cream in it because it was. I thought I would have been better a little thicker. And then you just you layer it. You have a you know a tortilla. You put some 
beans on that, then you put some meat, some sauce, and then a mix of cheddar and um, jalapeno. I mean, cheddar. Cheddar and mozzarella cheese. Mozzarella, really? It's a Mexican pizza, I guess. I guess. Yeah, and then you put a tortilla on top of that, then you put some more sauce on that, and then you put more cheese. And if we'd had jalapenos, I would have put jalapenos on there. We had pickled jalapenos. Uh, we had very little, very few pickled jalapenos, which I saved for you for your. Oh, that was nice for the non-Mexican. I didn't, pizza I didn't realize those were those were being saved for me. And then, um, what was the other thing? And then, and then you put it in the oven for a few minutes, and then a little bit under the broiler to kind of melt the top and kind of brown the top. Uh, pay attention, don't walk away, <laughs> like I did. Voice of experience. Yes, uh, just on the last one. Um, and take it out, let it sit for a bit because it's still kind of bubbly and, uh, you know, oozy. Hot. Yeah. Well, it's more that it's when you try to cut it into slices, it's going to ooze all over the place. So you just let it cool off a little bit and kind of solidify a little. And then you cut it into fours. And Sophie really liked it. And Lucy really liked it. I liked it. Um, Anthony's not feeling great. So I don't know if it was just he didn't. He was off. He, he, ate, he ate a little bit of it. He ate yeah. quite a bit. That's right. He did. I think he liked it. Uh, Bella didn't like it. Um, she had she made herself a burrito. Ben wanted a tostada. Um, you made something with the corn tortillas. I, I just made I made quesadillas, but I used most of the components that you had. I just was using because I want corn tortillas instead of flour. Right. Um, I'm trying to avoid flour right now. Yep. So I just I put the cheese and the the ground beef and the sliced pickled jalapenos inside the quesadilla. Mm-hmm. And then I layered on top, I put the the beans and the sauce with some avocado and tomato and lettuce yeah, on top. Good. It was pretty good. I mean, you could, the, the components of this dish all tasted really good. And you could build this in many different ways. You could turn this into burritos. You could make it into tacos and just use the same components. Right. Um, I think the flavors are what really are good. And it, it was really good. I have to say, I, I really enjoyed it. And I, I even ate the burned one. <laughs> it was good. The edges got burned. It wasn't that bad. Yeah, it was it was really tasty. I mean, it was a yeah. very tasty loaded quesadilla. I would probably not have loaded a quesadilla quite to that extent. But I was trying to kind of imitate your yeah. pizza. So and it was good. I It was messy. <laughs> very <laughs> yeah. messy. Yeah. But tasty. So I would uh, definitely try this out. It, just uh, give it a try. And what not, not, no part of it was that hard to do. Um, so then tonight, I mean, just by happenstance, another Mexican uh, dish or Mexican inspired. I'm not sure Taco Bell qualifies as Mexican, but, <laughs> um, you know, it's sort of in the family. The forecast had been calling for high heat and thunderstorms all day. So when we made our menu, I was doing something that because we couldn't cook, wouldn't be able to cook outside. And we didn't want to heat up the whole house. I said instant pot. And so we came up with an instant pot. Turns out it was sunny and no no uh, rain today, but it was still and pretty And without hot. the AC, people were a little bit uh, dubious of having hot stew. stew. Yeah. So what I have is a pressure cooker, Mexican pork stew with summer vegetables. Uh, and this uses a pork shoulder that is cut into uh, like one inch cubes. And then the vegetables include onion, garlic. Uh, I did not have jalapeno. So I used chipotle in adobo, which was good. It gave a little smoky flavor. Uh Um, Zucchini, summer squash, green beans, tomatoes, (laughs) the Roma tomatoes that I bought for this, we ended up using on the Mexican pieces and, and, uh, 
quesadillas. <laughs> there was only one Roma tomato left. Oh, were those not supposed to be used? There was for- supposed to be some for this and some for that. Oh. But that's fine. Because you could also use, like, I used a, a can of uh, fire-roasted diced tomatoes, which actually I think was pretty good. Or those those fine tomatoes you could have used, too. Yeah, those tend to be wetter. Like, the nice thing about Romas is that there's less of the pulp and liquid. There's more substance to them. Uh, and then I had bought corn on the cob at the store and cooked it last night. Um, and, but I potentially made cooked extra because then you take, uh, two cups of corn kernels from corn on the cob and, uh, add that as well. So you have all these nice summery vegetables in it and you basically saute the, the, the pork, you, uh, pressure cook it, you know, saute the pork, take it out, cook the onions and garlic and jalapeno if you have it. And then you add the pork back in, turn on the pressure along with some chicken broth. Then turn on the pressure cooker, cook that for like 18 minutes on the, uh, in, in the instant pot. Then turn it off, take off the lid. We'll have to get the seam out. Then add the vegetables in, all of the vegetables at once. And then put the, the lid back on and bring it up to pressure again another six minutes. And then you're supposed to, you know, stir it up, taste it for salt and pepper and serve it. Now, you probably noticed there wasn't any spices added to that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I added some cumin because I thought this would probably, good, you know, use some cumin. But frankly, if I were to go back, I might add some cumin, some paprika, um, maybe some Aleppo pepper or something. Um, it also might have worked really well with uh, we were saying you were thinking potatoes. Yeah, I think potatoes would have been a nice addition. Yeah. And some lime juice either at the table or um yeah it needed needed some some of the that uh the bite brightness of yeah either either citrus or vinegar or something to kind of brighten it up a bit right exactly um acid yes it needs some acid um yeah so uh, but it was good and it's a good start Uh, i liked it lucy liked it i think sophie liked it as well at the table you did suggest serving it with radishes and cilantro and crumbled cheese which i would think cojita that's what they're looking for i just serve the shredded mexican cheese that's our family standard family standard i i'm not so sure I, i bought the radishes um you uh as a garnish as a garnish yeah I might have added scallions to it hmm. in addition to the, and avocados would have been good. Um, a popular choice. Yeah. Avocado would have been good on that. Uh, and if I were to do this in the winter, like in, it, since squash and zucchini probably wouldn't be available and I might use frozen corn. Find, sometimes you can find zucchini. Yeah. But uh, you uh, frozen corn, frozen peas would be fine. Um, carrots, like even like frozen corn and carrots or just regular carrots. Uh, would be for, to, to make this sort of a winter version of this. Um, but yeah, it definitely needs more spices. So more of the Tex-Mex spices, um, chili powder could have worked. Not too much. You don't want to overpower it. Uh, but yeah, it would have it been good. But it was still good and tasty. So that's what we've been cooking. Let's talk about stuff we've been reading and watching. Uh, I'll let you go first. What have you been reading? Uh I took your advice. And of course. I don't always. I know. <laughs> um, I took your advice and I started Brandon Sanderson's Mistborn trilogy. And so far I've finished the first book and I'm a, 
about halfway through the second book, I'd say maybe a little bit more than halfway. It is a huge trilogy. These are big books. It took me weeks and weeks and weeks to read it. And you're like, I read the first one in a day. And then the next one. No, it was, it was more than a day. <laughs> you just power through these books. It's crazy. I do. Um, I'm a quick reader. So what'd you think? Um, I really liked it a lot. It surprised me. I, I'm, I'm reluctant to give too many details because I yeah. didn't know what to expect going in. And a lot of what I really liked about it that was fresh and kind of surprising was fresh and surprising because I didn't know about it going in. And so I don't really want to spoil it. This is why when I talked about it on the show before, I was like, I had to speak in vague terms. And even when I told you about it, I tried to remain vague about the things because, yeah, it's the it's. It's the way it unfolds that's really interesting. Right. It it takes I mean there there are a lot of very standard tropes in the especially in the first novel. There's kind of a little bit of a Cinderella story. Mhm. Um there's the evil overlord who needs the, to be the over, dark lord. The dark lord, except I really liked the fact that he is just the lord ruler. It is the most generic name. Yep. He is not overselling him, but he is kind of the the dark overlord tyrant. Well, he's like a god king, right? Really. Yeah. Um, and a really cool system of magic. I I think that one of the things that makes this series unique is the system of magic, the that, burning metals. Yeah. So yeah. the 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 magicians who are the called mistborn or mistings, uh, ingest bits of metal. It has to be pure metal, and then they burn it somehow and different kinds of metal uh, have different effects right and so some people most people who have magical abilities can only burn one metal and then there are the mistborn the mistborn who can burn all all of the metals so it's either you either have only one or all of them right and they are complementary like this like there are always a pairs that have opposite um Push and pull. Push and pull powers. And it's really fascinating that the, how it all works. Sanderson's brain is really interesting. Uh, it's interesting to, to, to read this after having read the Way of Kings books, because he basically, it's not the same thing, but it's kind of the same thing. Uh, it's a totally different world, a totally different magic system, but you can see where he's developed. He's grown in his writing of this stuff. Mistborn is really good. And then way of Kings goes to another level, I think, but it's a really, the world that he's built is really fascinating, but I also really enjoy the characters. There's some very interesting characters and there's some twists and turns. There's a good, it's a good ensemble cast of characters. Like a lot of, in fact, it's a big cast. Right. There's almost too many characters for me to keep them all straight. Um, because it's sort of, it's sort of almost a got a heist novel sort of plot. Like yes. you've got the team, the, right. the the gang, the crew. It's um, a heist story in part. In part, yeah. Right. But but really, one of the things I liked was not knowing. Like you know that eventually they're going to like overthrow the evil overlord because that's the way these these tropes go. Or will they? <laughs> but, but but there's always that kind of question. Are they going to succeed? Um, and then, like, is it going to take them three books, like The Lord of the Rings? Or 
is there going to be other twists and turns? And I liked the fact that I really didn't know most of the way through the book where the climax was going to hit. Like, mm-hmm. were they going to succeed? Were they going to fail? What was going to come next? Like, I really just was on the edge of my seat, not knowing. And uh, I'm liking that. I'm yeah. liking that. I'm liking the fact that it's not really predictable, even though he's using a lot of the the fantasy tropes that I'm familiar with. He's really doing something different in his storytelling in the way he's using them. Right. And I'm probably already saying too much, but um. <laughs> you probably I think you're safe. But yeah, really good. I mean, Sanderson's reputation exists for a reason. I mean, he's got this ability to to write like this, this sort of stuff that's really fascinating. So I started a, another a new series by a author we both know by Jim Butcher, who was the author of The Dresden Files. Uh, he wrote this book, The Aeronauts Windless, which is in the, the his, a new series that he's writing called the Cinder Spires series. This book came out in 2015 and the second book in the series is coming out this fall. Like it has been eight years since this first book. Like this is why I'm hesitant to start new things with Dresden with the uh, butcher, because it could be eight years before the next one. Comes yeah. Out. I, I think maybe I'll hold off until he's finished more of the series before starting it. Yeah. Um, but it's good. So it, it's billed as like sort of this a steampunk fantasy setting. It's not really steampunk. I mean, there are airships and people wear goggles and that's as steampunk as it gets, but they're not even, they're not like blimps there or dirigibles there. So uh, it's in this world, there are these city states that are built inside these spires that are miles tall and I think a mile wide, I think like, or, or maybe not even that much, like a half mile wide. I forget exactly how like the diameter is supposed to be. And the, um, uh, the, uh, so that's so high up in the, in the air and the, in all the people live inside the spires. They don't live on the surface of, of the planet because it's too dangerous there. Um, there are there, the flora and fauna of the planet are extremely dangerous. And, um, the so they they have these airships that everything is powered by crystals of various kinds and the airships that are are powered by these etheric winds or etheric energies in the sky and i don't know it's he, he doesn't he doesn't explain everything right off the bat you have to kind of stick stick in stick to it for the thir- first third and you'll fi- you'll eventually get explained what's really going on and it's a very um, Victorian style society. Well, that's what makes it steampunk, I guess. But that's steampunk. Steampunk is Victorian culture with more technology, right? So it's not really. It's not really. You know, it's okay. But it, if if you're going to look at it like this, this country that we start in Albion is like Victorian England. There's another one that's more Spain, and there's another one that's more. Greece, I think, and that, that sort of thing. So, uh, but we spend almost all, all of our time with the Albion folks. And uh, it's very aristocratic and you have the high, you know, the, the high houses and the, you know, the, the lords and ladies and uh, stuff like that. Uh, I, I really, the, so the world building is, is fun. It's cool. I really like it. I mean, I love Aubrey Matarin. So it's, there's a lot of uh, nautical stuff, even though they're, they're aeronauts. 
they were in the sky. Um, but there's this sense of, um, you know, they're, they're sailing and having air battles, like sea battles. Um, and they're more like sailing ships than they are like, uh, you know, airplanes, that sort of thing. Right. And, uh, but the characters are fun. I like the characters. I've seen some criticism. I make the mistake. I made the mistake of looking at some reviews. Uh, some people thought the characters were flat or I thought they were interesting characters. Butcher's real skill. He's got two skills. Two skills is like he creates a world and he puts the characters, these interesting characters in it. And I feel like that's what he's done. He's got these interesting characters. that are all these different kinds. And I want to know more about them. He doesn't really flesh them out. There's a lot more that needs to be done, but there's a lot of, there's a hint at a lot of interesting stuff going on in them. So it, that part of it is really good. And, um, and it's, you know, there's a lot of adventure, a lot of, you know, Oh, and cats. There are, they're not talking cats. They're intelligent cats. And some humans can speak cat. And which is, which is important. Um, but the cats are all insufferable jerks. Well, that's <laughs> because they're cats. <laughs> but, the, you know, they will tolerate humans and sometimes they adopt humans and allow them to be uh, part of their entourage, etc. Uh, it's just kind of it's kind of a, a funny bit that he does. Uh, Butcher likes to write about animals. I could, I've, I've noticed. Um, so uh, it's I like it. I, I really enjoy it. I'm looking forward to the second novel coming out this this fall. And uh, what else there's to say about it? I guess I guess that's it. I I don't I remember if, see if I if I had another, any other notes on it. Um, it hints at an origin of this. Like they have the mythical builders, the the builders of the spires, and their their technology is lost. They they can't rebuild spires like they used to. They don't know the techniques have been lost, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So um, yeah, and and there's a there's an evil that is coming into the world that has to be fought which is another butcher thing. Oh, the, I knew what I was going to say. Um, it's pretty clean. I, uh, I think when butcher wrote the Dresden files, especially the early ones, I think he was a lot more uh, younger. Uh huh. I mean, he definitely was a lot younger. Uh, I think he, as a dad now, I have a feeling he's kind of toned things down as an older guy. Um, I mean, that's not always true. I mean, George R. R. Martin <laughs> is an older guy and he writes, still writes some spicy stuff, but there was nothing in the book that I would feel um, like would be bad for my 17 year old to read. I think she would be fine reading it. So um, in fact, there were two of the protagonists are uh, 16, 17 year old young ladies. Hmm. So um, yeah, it, it was could good. also partly be that, the Dresden Files was specifically writing within the genre of so, yeah urban urban. Well, I was thinking more um, noir. Yeah, the noir detective noir has a lot of tropes, and I think he's he's was always playing on those. Yeah, yeah. Whereas this says, um, yeah, this this is cleaner in that in that sense. Um, I mean, Dresden wasn't terrible, but I wouldn't I I wouldn't let my teens yeah especially the early ones uh but but for uh for this one yeah i found it to be there's there's references to you know in war people get injured and they they have injuries and sometimes there's reference to the fact that sometimes soldiers do things to women in war Uh uh but it's not described it's just mentioned and and usually and in the context of uh well we're not that kind of soldier sort of thing right so that in that in that sense so uh good 
So then stuff we've watched. We watched Secret Invasion, which is we the did. new uh the new Marvel series on Disney Plus. With Nick Fury. Starring Nick Fury, Samuel L. Jackson. Uh and um it and also oh, what is his name? The the scroll guy. Um he was director Krennic in uh Rogue One. I can't even remember his name, the actor. Anyway, the I um, know it, I'm sorry. Yes. The so anyway, it's uh it basically there's an invade a secret invasion. They have to stop a doomsday thing. It's it's kind of got a spy thriller sort of feel to it. It's, At least the first episode did. Yeah. Um. I mean, it kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Winter Soldier, uh, Captain America. No, the the series Shield, Agents of Shield. Oh yeah, I was gonna say it reminded me not Captain America, but it reminded me of um Falcon and Winter Soldier a lot too. You know, that sort of uh, we have to run around chasing the bad guys who are about to do a bad thing. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also, yeah, a little bit like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., except Samuel L. Jackson dropping the. <laughs> Actually, I don't think he swore. No, I don't one. think he did. No. It's got Olivia Coleman in it, who is always a delight. She's so funny in this one. It's like chewing the scenery. Olivia Coleman's great. I always like She's her. fantastic. Uh, Amelia Clark is in it, um, which is interesting to see her. I, I haven't seen enough of her to. to, to Say one way or another whether uh, I, I think she, you know she's she's doing good. I mean she's usually pretty good. Um, so we'll we'll have to see where it goes. It it's promising, but this sort of thing can come sometimes get tedious. This right. whole like uh, revolution invasion thing being led by the the charismatic bad guy and all this stuff. I, I don't know. It, it could get tedious. I, the, there's a, this, there's a spy thriller type that can, that can get bad, but this doesn't have to be that. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Right. I mean, I think there's, there's a potential for, I mean, because we're dealing with scrolls and the whole, how can you trust anybody when your enemy can like put on anybody's shape? Right. There's, that's, that's an interesting twist to the spy thriller genre um which we kind of had hints of in like captain marvel but this is really i think doing more of a let's focus on that aspect of the scrolls um much more so Mm -hmm. than we have in the past and i think that's interesting and also i think fury's character where they're taking him seems to be going in an interesting direction he he was changed, but like all the other characters that we've seen in the Marvel TV shows, we're really exploring the psychology of the snap. Like what happened to the people who were left behind and also what happened to the people who were snapped who then come back. And I think that's one of the the strengths of the TV shows mm-hmm. versus the movies is that they're really looking at that that inner working of the the person. Right. Now, what I'm curious going forward is, is, is the show going to do for Nick Fury what Cap Falcon and Winter Soldier did for, um, for Falcon and Winter for, Soldier? For, yeah. For, <laughs> um, I'm blanking on names. Yeah. I've I, I I got the actors' names in my head, but never mind. The, the characters. Um, Doesn't matter. Are, are we, we going to, are we really going to, to dive into the psychology or are we going to stay fairly on the surface as a, um, as a spy thriller? Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that they're going to follow through 
in the same vein and really kind of let us get to know Nick Fury better because I feel like he's one of those characters who the movies did not do justice to. We only saw him as a supporting character and this is... Except in Captain Marvel. Even there, I felt like he was still... Well, he wasn't Captain Marvel, but he right, was still he was, a supporting actor. We saw, we saw more of him, but I still feel like he's kind of always been a side character and I'm really yeah. looking forward to getting more Nick Fury. Right. Yeah, you're right. It, it, that's one thing I'm looking forward to, and I hope they do a good job with. Because there's always been this promise of this interesting guy who started the Avengers, you know, and was his it was his idea. But he's always kind of been in the background, right? So yeah. let's and then disappeared, <laughs> like maddeningly. Yeah, like uh, that always bugged me. Is like, oh, we've got Shield, and oh no, but Hydra's taken over, and Nick Fury is gone, and it's like. Why? Where'd he go? <laughs> like, wh- why is he up on that space station? Why is he not like, running things anymore? Like, why? Where'd he go? So th- I'm hoping that this show is going to be the answers that we've been waiting for for a long time. Yeah. Now, that's a lot of build up and there's a lot of potential for it to be disappointing. So <laughs> I'm holding my breath and hoping right. one episode is hard to judge from. I haven't seen any of the other of the Marvel movies that have been out this year. I haven't seen uh, Ant-Man Quantumania. I haven't seen the Guardians of the Galaxy. I haven't seen uh, what was I do. Oh, we saw the Black the Black Panther one. We did. did see that. Uh, Yes. But uh, but the other ones I haven't seen. And I keep hearing from people how disappointing they were. And like, oh, is this is this the end of of the MCU, I mean, we reached our, our, you know, the the saturation point. I, I suppose that's possible, but you know, that, be would, that would be disappointing. I think right now the most interesting stuff going on in the MCU are all on Disney Plus. I so far I agree. Yeah, uh, although I heard really good things about the new Spider-Man. Uh, oh, the, what's it called? The Across the uh, Spider Verse. Yeah, the animated the the first animated one. A never, lot of people I, say I was, never saw it. A lot of people say this is the best Marvel, and then the second one, people are saying similar things. So uh, we really should watch both of those. We should, yeah. And then um, I'm looking forward to the Ms. Marvel one with uh, where Kamala Khan meets up with Captain Marvel and oh the other one who, who's not her name's not Marvel, but the her friend of uh, Captain Marvel. She was in um, WandaVision. Uh, Monica, yes, Rambo, Rambo, Ra- Monica Rambo. Hey, we've got a name together. Woo. <laughs> Working hard, those brains getting this. My brain is hot. Okay, <laughs> I'm hot. There's no AC. So, um, I'm looking forward to that. Seeing how Kamala Khan translates to the big screen, that should be interesting. That should be fun. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm glad the the actress is getting a chance to to go big. Yeah. It's weird. Our kids have have not wanted to finish that that series. I thought some they would of, love that. Some series. of them wanted to. Some of them had um, anxiety anxiety issues that kind of broke into it. Right. I think I think it's more less the interest in disinterest in the series and more. And it's like it's not like they can just some of them watch it and others not. They all have to watch everything together. <laughs> well, I so. think some people are wanting to rebel and yeah, just go ahead and watch it. Yep. Well, maybe we should let them. So one last thing to talk about uh, for stuff we watched is I last night I watched the the ninth Fast and Furious movie F nine 
because you know let's be really <laughs> i think they've run out of steam for the names too fast <laughs> too furious fast fast furious furious and fast f9 um i kept falling asleep <laughs> Um, was, I don't think that's the kind of movie you're supposed to fall asleep. To. Yeah, I know. I mean, I mean, it was tired. I mean, there was lots of the, the smash and action in recent cars and fast stuff and ridiculous, completely ridiculous things. No one ever dies. Everyone who's ever died in the in the movies has come back, except for the one guy who died in real life, who obviously isn't coming back. Um, like after the he died after the second or third movie or whatever. Um, but how how do they just not explain or do oh they, they explain? To- oh well, when you thought the car was exploding with me in it, in reality, what happened was, and they kind of what's funny is they've gotten to the point with these movies where they're totally breaking the fourth wall and pointing out to the audience how ridiculous everything is. At one point, one of the characters I, I can never remember any of the characters' names except for Dom and. Letty, his girlfriend, her girlfriend, I guess. Um, I don't remember any of the character's name, but he's, he kind of stands up and goes, does anybody else notice how improbable everything is? Like, I was standing in the middle of 14 guys shooting at me with AK-47s. Look at my coat. It's full of holes. I didn't get a scratch. How is that possible? That's <laughs> He's like going on and on. Like we never, we do all these incredible, improbable things and, and nothing ever happens to us. It always works out. How is that possible? And they're all like, I don't know, man, it's just, we're lucky. And then they move on. <laughs> it's like, it just, they're totally winking at the audience. But you know, the, the rule is if, if you have a character in universe, yeah. remark on the improbability of a situation that somehow makes it feel less improbable. Uh, probably. But, but I think that the, that, that is only true to a, to a, to a point (laughs) you get to the point where everything is just so over the top that even somebody remarking on it just does not help with the suspension of disbelief well there's another point in the movie where one of the bad guys points out to another bad guy you know if this were a movie (laughs) this is the point where the villain would have suffered will have suffered a setback and then would overcompensate in the other direction uh to and thus give an opening to the good guys to win which is exactly what's happening at that point. It's it was it was kind of hysterical. I mean, at one point, two of the characters go into space in a rocket-powered Fier- Pontiac Fiero. What? It is totally crazy. Like every movie, they just go further and further out there. It is hysterical. It, but you know what? It's interesting. Is how often they sneak in. Stuff about faith and prayer. Like I did not expect that. Yeah, like the 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 character, the main character, Dom, is he's he, he one of the things that's like most visible about him is this cross that his father gave him that he wears. It's this big honking Italian cross that he wears, and he's got a son in the ninth movie, a little you know two two or three year old boy, and you know he's like. He's putting him to bed at the beginning of the movie, and he's like, "Now remember, where does God live? God is in my heart, and where does where is Daddy always going to be in my heart? You know, and like he says prayers with him, and he, like he makes him say grace before dinner, and like it's not it's not like they're not evangelizing, like you know, talking about you know their faith in Jesus Christ <laughs> movie, but it's just kind of a, a surprising little element that keeps getting in there. I just kind of find that fascinating. Huh. So 
It's interesting. I would not have expected that. Yeah. Anyway, Fast and Furious was $3 on iTunes to rent, so I rented it. I was looking for something to watch last night. Uh, it was either that or the new Shazam sequel, <laughs> which I, I really do want to see, but that was like 5 bucks. I'm like, uh, I'll do the $3 one. I'll, I'll come back for the Shazam. Okay. All right. Um, so that's what we've been reading and watching. Let's talk uh, briefly about today's um, homily from Mass. Uh, if you will remember, today we had the gospel reading from Matthew, where Jesus, um, it's the one about the, the sparrow doesn't fall to the ground without the father's knowledge and all the hairs in your head are counted. So yeah, have no fear. So he's he's sent in this one. He's sending the apostles out, right? Is it the sending yes. of the. This is the this is his uh, pep talk before the before sending out the 12. This, yeah. Um, yes. Because right before that, he's telling he says, "I'm sending you like sheep into the midst of wolves." <laughs> it's like this is like the best pep talk ever. <laughs> so you're gonna get persecuted, right? So I'm sending you out, and bad things are gonna happen to you. Uh, but he's but he's saying, you know, don't don't be, don't afraid. be afraid. Don't be afraid because God's got your back, which is what Father said in his homily, Father Emmanuel. I really liked Father Emmanuel's homily today. So he started off. He's African. Where, is he from I was supposed to ask you, uh, do you know where he's from? Because he mentioned that he, when he came from his country, and I can never remember which country I, he came from. I, it might be Nigeria. I think he's Nigerian. Yeah. He's studying at Boston College, and he's been here for, I think he said four years. Yeah, something like that. Um, about like 2020. Um, 2019. 2019, came. right. Yeah. So He came in summer of 2019, which is important to the story. Okay. So he, he said he was full of trepidation and fear and anxiety when he was coming to Boston because coming from an equatorial tropical tropical country to a country that has a, a place that has winter place that has winter <laughs> and he said whenever it was the cold season like when it got cold colder in his country I'm guessing not cold by our standards but cold <laughs> right. by their standards comfortable short sleeve weather <laughs> um, he would get sick and so he was afraid that he would be perpetually sick. Yes. And he got here, he said, in August. And it was chilly. Again, <laughs> by African standards. Um, yeah, he said at first it was fine, but then it got a little chilly. It got a little it's, chilly. And New England can do that in the summer, I remember. Or, or even in September, yeah. I remember being shocked when I first moved here at like a day when there was a thunderstorm system rolled in mm -hmm. and it got cold yeah like 60s yeah yeah which in the summer it feels cold which, coming from texas where it's 100 in the summer 60 feels like winter time <laughs> now it doesn't feel like winter time to me anymore because i've lived here for 20 you've lived here longer than years. you lived in texas i don't know if that's true yeah we're getting close though. <laughs> getting close uh anyway father emmanuel said that he asked. had asked for friends for prayers before he came. And he amazingly, he did not get sick when it got cool. And then he survived his first winter without really getting sick. And he's had several more winters. Keep, keep in mind which winter that was. That winter ended in the spring of 2020. <laughs> So getting sick would have been a big deal at that point in time. That's because that's he came just as COVID lockdown happened. Right. And I really appreciated what, you know, he said that, you know, he's like, wow, I've really managed to not get sick. And then he said, 
it kind of struck him that God had answered the prayers of the friends who had been praying for him. And that it wasn't just this like lucky break that he didn't get sick, but it was answered prayers. Like it was the power of prayer. And I really loved that he talked about sort of how Jesus is talking, telling us not to be anxious, to trust. And we're being called to sometimes go into these situations which make us feel anxious. Like we are like the 12 being sent Mm -hmm. by Jesus. We have missions and those missions can fill us with anxiety. And yet he says, you know, the, the uh, image that Jesus uses is the image of the sparrow and God pays attention to every sparrow (laughs) Right. Which reminded me of, so I am uh, on a local bird, you know, southeastern Massachusetts bird watching group on Facebook. And this week, someone posted a picture of their bird feeder and a bird on it. And like, I see a whole bunch of these birds. What is it? (laughs) Y'all. It was a house sparrow. (laughs) The most common bird. (laughs) It is the most common bird. Now, they are an invasive species. They originally... Came from Europe. Came from Europe. They are not native to, we have sparrows that are native to North America, but the house sparrow is not one of them. Someone introduced them to North America. colonial times. Yeah. And they have proliferated pretty much all over the continent and they're everywhere. Yeah. But if you're a new birder, they're kind of an exciting bird when you don't know what anything is. And I just, I kind of laughed, but I also thought, you know, as an experienced birder who it's it's easy to kind of overlook the sparrows and go, oh, that's just more sparrows. You don't get excited about them after a while because they're so ubiquitous. They're so common. They're so common. And I think that's kind of the, the Even point. in Jesus's time, Even they were in common. Jesus's time, they were, these were the, the common birds that nobody paid attention to. But God does. There, there, there is no single sparrow that that falls and dies that God doesn't know, notice. I don't notice the sparrows. All, all these sparrows die all the time. All of these sparrows will die. And they're, they're, there are hundreds of them just living in the, near our house. They're all going to die, but we're going to maybe see one or two right, dead sparrows time, in right, a year. Right, every time I go outside, there are dozens of sparrows hopping in and out underneath our solar panels and in the bushes, and you just hear them all the time. And I think that that kind of hit home to me. Is like That's what Jesus is talking about is we might not pay attention to them. We might not be able to tell one sparrow from another, and they're just common dirt common birds but but god does but god's paying attention to everything that's the thing god is paying attention to everything down to the atomic level the subatomic level god knows like jesus isn't going to say that in the gospel because they they wouldn't understand what he means by subatomic but but god is paying attention to literally everything and yet he we are worth more than all that Right, but he pays attention to us in a special way. Each one of us is known and beloved. And I love the, the example uh, that Father Emmanuel gave. He said, you know, God has knows the number of the hairs on your head. And then he says, 
And there's the this the joke about the guy who's the preacher is preaching on this and he raises his hand and he says, well, what about those of us who have helped God out? <laughs> Meaning he has no hair. Yes. So for some of us, counting the hairs on our head is easier than others. <laughs> and he says, yeah, you too. Even the bald people. God, God knows you. He loves you. You particular, the individual person that you are, you are beloved. And I don't know, this is one of my favorite mm-hmm. readings. You are more worth more than any than many sparrows always just really hits me in a special way. And then he ends like Jesus ends with like the twist. But whoever denies before others, I will deny before my heavenly father. What? <laughs> like after that beautiful reassurance, you know, of, you know, fear no one, you know, no secret will not be known. God knows everything. He's, you know, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. You know, in other words, be serene. This is the, the martyrdom and persecution gospel, really. Be serene in the fa- face of those challenges. But if you deny me before others, I will deny you before when, you know, before my heavenly father. Like, whoa. okay. well, because they've been sent to to proclaim him, not to deny him. Right. That's the mission. If you fail in the mission, then there are consequences. So uh, I think that does it for for that. Now, before we go, I did want to have a brief a uh, little bit of an announcement right it sounds dramatic it's not um but we're we're going to take a bit of a break summer a, break we're taking summer break from the podcast uh we we got a lot going on this summer as you have noticed and a lot of the house stuff and and family stuff going on and so we just need to take a break partly so that the podcast doesn't become this chore and a slog that is on the calendar and we're, we're like dreading having to Oh, we got to record another episode and all that sort of stuff. And we're kind of going away and doing things and finding time to record would also be an issue. So just we're kind of taking all that off the platter and we're going to take a summer break. Uh, But uh, I think one of the things that we'll also do is is we've had some ideas of other things we'd like to record that aren't this podcast. Uh, We wanted to do like episodes of secrets of movies and TV shows on particular stuff so that we could talk at length about say the last of us we could talk about that for an hour or you know other other stuff that we've been wanting to talk about and that we haven't had a chance and we've got other podcasts i don't want to say too much now but other podcast ideas we've had that i think would be fun so we might at some point also get a chance to kind of think about doing some of that sort of thing so maybe (laughs) maybe we'll We'll see see. we'll see i mean the important thing right now is we want to take a break and uh you know get get caught up with life and family so um maybe look for us in the fall and uh until then we really do appreciate you listening and uh, stay subscribed keep the feed going then uh you you won't you'll be sure not to miss us when we come back it doesn't doesn't cost you anything to keep a feed going <laughs> right an empty feed open in your podcast uh, catcher so uh, so we appreciate that so as we wrap up i do want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create raising the bets including robert s tom n john l robert c and rick m their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue raising the bets and all the shows at starquest and you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give and that's it for this time. Find links from our discussion in our show notes at sqpn.com slash bets. That's B-E-T-T-S. 
Send your feedback at the StarQuest Facebook page, facebook.com slash Media. Send us an email at bets at sqpn.com or visit the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. Remember to like Raising the Bets on the StarQuest Facebook page at facebook.com slash Media. Retweet us on Twitter at sqpn and leave us comments wherever you find us. We love to interact with you. Until next time, I'm Dom Bettinelli. And I'm Melanie Bettinelli. Have a great summer. Thank you for listening to Raising the Bets on StarQuest. Here's another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy. Let's Science. Find the show wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash science.